Welcome back, everybody, to the Manual Focus podcast. In today's episode, I interview Kyle Huber. Kyle is an old friend of mine, actually, that we uh, went to middle school together, played basketball together growing up, and nowadays, Kyle is into video production. He has his own podcast called the Adventure Creator Podcast, and he also does documentary and travel filmmaking. This episode is a little different than the previous few that we've done so far in the sense that we just kind of, we actually go into some pretty deep and personal stories. We, we, we don't just stick to talking about video production and tech and social media or anything. We actually talk about real life experiences and overall it was just a really good time to catch up with Kyle. It's also kind of funny because Kyle was also interviewing me for his podcast. So this is kind of a inception type. I'm interviewing him, but he's interviewing me at the same time. So it was actually just a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I think you guys will too. Before we hop into it, if you wouldn't mind going ahead and leaving a review, if you have not done so already on the iTunes podcast app, you can just simply put a five-star review there. Or if you want to even write something down, that would be awesome. But anyways, with all of that being said, let's get into the episode. All right, we are here with none other than Kyle Huber, aka K Hub, aka the Adventure Creator. Um, Dude, you know me as K Hub. Not many do. Only <laughs> folks from my uh, teenage years, really. Yeah, man. Dude, so cats out of the bag. We actually we know each other. We we go back a little bit, little ways. Um, I think the. F- so yeah, we first, you know, became friends and met each other eighth grade, uh, pretty, pretty wild, wild times. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you're actually, so this is episode four of the, of my podcast, which is called manual focus podcast. Um, and you're the first guest that I actually have a personal relationship with everybody else so far has been just kind of, um, uh, you know, social media friends and acquaintances that I reached out to. So this is, this is going to be fun for me, man. I respect that, man. My first 25 guests were all friends and people I knew because I was too nervous to reach out and actually branch out to people I don't know. So yeah, um, I also think that, yeah, it's unfortunate we're not in the same room together because we can communicate so much more in person, but the fact we know each other and it's going to be fun to catch up yeah. will uh, enhance the ability for us to communicate hopefully. Yeah. 100% man. Um, dude. So just, catching up a little bit. How you been, bro? I've been really good, man. I've been fortunate to keep a strong mindset for the last year. Um, Also have continuous work from a creative standpoint. That's uh, always a challenge when you're a freelancer early in the career. You know, Um, you hear a lot of stories this year about people who either got a lot more work because um, a lot of businesses are realizing the importance of actually producing content online and marketing their products, selling them online. On the other hand, people that um, just lost all their in-person work. So yeah, I'm feeling fortunate about that for sure. But um, yeah, man, I'm living in Seattle. I just spent four months in Mexico, living with my girlfriend down on the beach, working remotely. And so that, yeah, it's just been a fun journey. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a ton to talk about in terms of traveling and things like that over the last couple of years. That's been pretty big for me. Um, but yeah, I'm also going to use this just as an opportunity to ask you questions and talk to you. So it's going to be heck yeah. 50, 50. We got to share the mic, dude. I'm down for that. Yeah. So you, you were just in Mexico then. Yeah. From September to early January. That's a, that's a nice little vacay. How was that? It was a vacay slash intentional time to just experience a new culture, really get 
when you're in a place for four months, you can actually kind of get invested in the community, learn how to surf, improved my Spanish a little bit. Those were some of the goals I went with. And overall, just had a fantastic time, like really getting to know the Mexican culture quite a bit. And also some of the like beautiful terrain and outdoor stuff. I'm a big outdoors guy. So seeing different cool beaches, going on hikes, that those were some of the highlights for me. Um, but it's super cool that I could work remotely. We had a solid Wi-Fi connection down there. Hey, that if you have solid Wi-Fi, I mean, you can be basically anywhere and, and get it done. So, um, yeah, so we haven't, you know, we haven't hung out or, or spoken in, I mean, like years, like, like for real years. So a lot of this is me just genuinely, you know, catching up and wondering, uh, how life has gone. But, uh, from, from what I've seen, at least on, on social and everything, it seems like you're pretty into the travel scene, or at least definitely were when, you know, travel restrictions weren't necessarily a thing. So, uh, how did, how did you kind of get into that? All right. I'm going to ask you the question right back afterwards, but okay. Long story short, um, I was always passionate about like telling stories. Like I was kind of an investigative, like I had this investigative spirit in me to just like learn the truth about things. And I was, you know, just uh, always questioning things for myself. And I went to college. I was a business student and I've got, I'm here in the the lobby of my apartment complex right now. So excuse the. Oh yeah, no worries. But um Basically, what happened was I took a class in journalism that my professor really like inspired me to think about filmmaking and writing as a viable career path. So from there, we had a few conversations. He said, hey, I'd love to mentor you and just kind of like continue to nurture you in this direction. And that single dude, Olivier Morel, put me on this path to just kind of take control of my own path overall in life. And that happened at the time for me. It was picking up a camera and doing real estate photography, joining a networking group and just putting my name out there, just starting to get those reps in tons of awkward family portrait shoots. I've seen you do some of those. Oh yeah. So over the years I've turned away from that and more towards video editing, video producing, documentary filmmaking is really where I want to go. And so, yeah, it's been a cool journey. And yeah, I want to ask you how you got into it as well. But I would say for me, it was just building momentum over time and, eventually realizing, oh, I do have a few clients and word of mouth and just doing good work. I think we're all pretty big factors as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really cool, man. Um, I think my my story is, I don't know, I think of it as rather simple. Um, I, we're probably, I mean, I know we're similar in the sense that we didn't grow up with a camera in our hands necessarily, uh, which you hear a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I had my, you know, my dad's handy cam or whatever and was making skateboarding videos, which uh, yeah, was never really my thing per se. Um, I would say I didn't really get into the creative space or even, you know, considering myself to have an ounce of creativity in, in me, uh, until I was definitely an adult after high school, after, you know, um, getting married. And it was my wife, Haley, who kind of was the opposite where she was very, or she is very artistic, very creative, creative, um, and she brought the camera into our, into our marriage, into our, uh, into our lives. And anytime we would kind of just go and hang out and do, do anything, she would always be bringing her camera and taking these awesome photos while I was kind of, you know, just on my iPhone or whatever, doing what, not even knowing what I was doing. And I just always kept thinking like, man, that looks so cool. That looks so fun. Uh, and I would always ask her, Hey, like, can I, can I use your camera? And she'd just be like, nah, (laughs) you can't. (laughs) And so I was like, dang, all right. It's like that. So, uh, kind of around the same time 
I started getting on YouTube as well as like a consumer and actually like up to that point, I really, you know, the whole cliche, like I always just thought YouTube was for cat videos and whatnot, but I started getting on there to just kind of see what it was all about and saw a couple guys like Peter McKinnon and Casey Neistat. And I was like, damn, like that looks so cool. That looks so fun. And combine that with the fact that Haley would never let me use her camera. Uh, I was like, you know what? All right, I'm just going to save up and kind of bought like a low, lower end, you know, entry level uh, Canon camera. And that's kind of just started, you know, once I actually had that in my hands, I was like, all right, uh, let's just go make anything and everything and made a lot of crap, a lot of things that were like, obviously so cringeworthy. Uh, I tried to copy Peter McKinnon for probably like a full year, you know, just doing like, you know, just thinking that's the way you do things. Um, and then kind of eventually became like the camera guy within my little circle of friends and people that know me. And that led to opportunities of people saying, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Uh, which eventually led, like I had never even gotten paid to do any sort of like side hustle work or anything like that. But then I got, got offered a job, um, to be like the in-house production for this company and had freaking no idea what I was doing, but obviously, you know, accepted the job and got a ton of experience. And that's kind of, I guess how you'd say I got like my foot in the door with everything. I love how you just took, even though you didn't have the experience, you just said, Oh, there's an opportunity. I, you trusted yeah. yourself to learn or what, what was it? You just knew. You um, were well, I think I definitely had some like false sense of arrogance that like I can figure this out, which I, you know, anybody can figure anything out. But I, I guess at the time, just kind of puffed myself up and was like, all right, I, you know, I can do this. Um, and I think at least with that particular opportunity, I don't think I know the fact I knew that they didn't know anything about it. So I could kind of just like fake it till I make it, you know, um, which it was such a great opportunity that that business had a huge budget. So we were able to just buy a ton of stuff, um, which not that that all matters, but it was just kind of a really cool opportunity to, uh, have basically all the resources that I needed. Um, and then kind of around the same time, I also thought to myself, all right, uh, I love what I do right now, but it'd also be really cool to possibly, uh, you know, kind of be my own boss or at least make strives to see if that's even a possibility. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Haley and I invested into some equipment of our own that we owned. And then that kind of just, you know, started the process of putting ourselves out there. Hey, you know, we do weddings, you know, kind of the classic entry level or, you know, uh, entry point to, to get paid to do something like this. And, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It's just been, it's been a crazy, crazy experience. Currently I'm, I'm actually working full time for a media company. They do marketing and advertising and they have, they do their own in-house production as well. So I'm part of the production department, uh, which is really cool. I mean, we're making a lot of social content for companies. We're shooting TV shows here, uh, for local broadcast television, uh, we've got some documentaries kind of in the works, in the makings. We're actually going to do something for Hoop Fest here coming up pretty soon. So that's nice. going to be awesome. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's it's just, it's feel very fortunate to to be doing what we get to do and, and have fun doing it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's all good, you know? So did you, so, so you joined a, uh, like a company that's working in Spokane and you're like, how yep. big is the team? How many people are working? So, uh, in our production department, we have three, 
uh, like camera crew members. Mm-hmm. And then we have within that department, we also have like some project and brand managers who kind of handle all like the client stuff. So I think our production team department is probably about uh, five to six deep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a couple things I wanted to dive in on, on what you were just talking about as far as like getting started. A lot of on my podcast, the Adventure Creator Podcast, I just talk to people who are passionate about what they do, not necessarily creators, but it's a broader spectrum of people that are, I think we can all resonate on a deeper level of just like living a better life, um, taking on new hobbies and passions that you enjoy and investing time in those is going right. to be fulfilling and, and uh, also just resonates with like what we are as human beings. We're creative machines. And when you're not exercising that creativity, it's like a muscle. It's going to get atrophied. It's going to get weak. And you're going to feel, I don't know what the result is when you don't use your creativity, but it can be like mentally draining. You feel like you're just kind of on the hamster wheel doing work that's not building your own dream. It's someone else's. So just some thoughts there. But you also mentioned equipment because I think that's something that I would just like say early on that I have continued to not... um, really apply, but it's the truth is like the best camera is the one that you have with you. Yeah. And I always tell people when they hit me up and ask me, what kind of camera should I get? I Mm -hmm. want to spend thousand dollars on a camera. I just literally say like, get the newest iPhone or Google phone or whatever, or Samsung. like, it doesn't even matter. These cameras are, are better than a lot of like pretty like expensive DSLR cameras and they're in your pocket. You can pull them out and you can take a photo on a moment's notice. You don't yeah. have to carry this big camera and lenses and all these different things. I've actually been trying to create more on my phone. And uh, especially as I've just had less time to create as I've leaned into podcasting. So, yeah, no, it's un- you're absolutely right. It's unreal what these phones can do. And um, it's almost this kind of it's this funny trend that I'm seeing, at least uh, with some of the clients that we work with is so many times they're 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 saying hey we don't even care if the photo is edited or if the video is color graded or anything like that they don't necessarily use that language but that's basically what they're saying mm-hmm. and everyone's like we, you know it's okay if it kind of looks raw and and basically looks like it's off a phone um which kind of is very <laughs> i i totally get where they're coming from but at the same time I'm like dang it like i've got all this stuff i want it you know but um no absolutely if 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 somebody's just getting started which i do get that question asked as well often um as if i'm supposed to give you like the perfect camera model number to go out and get like i don't know your life man but uh yeah iphones samsung like whatever phone you have access to man they're they're so crazy with like all their dynamic range their hdr shooting and everything that's going on right now yeah Mm. it's crazy man my girlfriend and I went to, well, it was my girlfriend's brother getting married a couple of weeks ago yeah. and they hired a photographer, but not a videographer. I had my drone with me and we literally shot like a two or three minute, like I could send it to you. It's pretty decent yeah. on just a couple iPhones, like during throughout the event, like very minimal effort on my end. Um, and my girlfriend like edited it together and it's I'm telling you, dude, like there's production teams that could make something it wouldn't be as good. And it's not necessarily because of the quality of the audio and the video. Right, right. It's more the fact that, you know, when you have a production crew around, people are going to act different. They're going to be less 100%, yeah. like, comfortable. And so the fact that I was like dancing with people and I could just pull my phone and get everybody dancing, uh, just like people taking shots and whatever is we just made this like super warm 
like welcoming kind of video about the about the marriage and uh, did it with iPhone. So well, it just I, yeah. I always encourage people to just try creating something with what they have. One well, thing is is that for the most part, well, I would say for like ninety nine percent of videos, they're eventually going to be hosted and live online. You know, which not to get like too deep in the weeds here, but. Uh, anytime you host a video on YouTube or even Vimeo or whatever, uh, you know, you just have that automatic like image quality compression that happens. And so, so many people will never be able to tell the difference from a iPhone video versus a $10,000 cinema camera um, in terms of like the image quality. So as long as you, you know, kind of focus more on the story and like the overall just like composition of your shots, like you're saying, um, yeah, I mean, you can get just unbelievable results, which, and you also said something about like people act different. Oh my gosh, man. Like people act, if you actually pull out like a, an, an actual like studio light, right. To interview somebody with or whatever, the look on their faces every time they're like, just get all nervous and freaked out and start sweating. And they're just not themselves whatsoever. Uh, whereas, you know, I would say for the most part, we all have like a phone in our pocket and kind of are used to doing the whole phone video thing one way or another. So Depends on the client. Some of them, they, yeah. they can't even do that. But um, yeah, true. I agree. Like your first time getting on camera, it's like um, my first podcast I ever did. I was sweating. I was nervous. And yeah. I think one thing, all good? Cool. Security guys checking on me right now. Nice. <laughs> What's going on? Did you reserve? This? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So Thanks. We just, our amenities just opened. So uh, I'm leaving that in, by the way. I'm not editing that part <laughs> out. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, nice guy, though. Yeah. Uh, I, he's kicked me out of here multiple times in the last couple of weeks because I <laughs> just can't do so much work on my computer in my apartment. So, yeah, right. Sneaking down here at all hours in the night. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, I was just thinking, like, I mm. always love to um, ask about just like some of the, hiccups that you had to go through mentally to like get to the point where you're mm. confident on camera and like speaking hopefully with less likes and ums and things that I've been yep. probably speaking with this whole day but just yeah. when you get to just breathe and communicate in a natural way yeah well i mean in terms of on camera presence um I'm it's You've always, always been natural, bro. You've always been natural. In camera. Well, okay. I will say, yeah, like I don't have a problem speaking in front of, in front of people. Um, not to say that I don't get nervous cause I absolutely do. But in terms of that, like necessarily affecting, uh, what I want to get across, thankfully I've always been, yeah, you could call me a natural at it, but I, I will still say this. There's just nothing that will ever, uh, replicate just practice right and i've had a few opportunities to like public speak in front of you know hundreds of people live so not even on a camera but live and there's nothing more terrifying than that uh and i've had you know i can honestly say i've had a lot of or i've had several experiences where in those opportunities i have just like epically failed and got in those moments where you're like oh my gosh i just need to exit stage left right now and pretend yeah. like this never happened, you know? Dude, um, tell me a story like that and I'll, I'll Oh my gosh, okay. So a lot of this experience actually comes from uh, the church that I used to go to. Yeah, I also um, wanted to ask you overall about your yeah. faith and Christianity yeah. and stuff. Yeah, no, well. oh, so, bro, we, yeah, we can get into it. Um, so, so at that church, there was a lot of opportunity uh, for me to be kind of what we were calling as the MC. So somebody who gets up there, delivers the announcements, talks about kind of what's going on. 
kind of present, uh, kind of uh, laying the stage for the actual pastor to come up and preach. And, you know, when I was first getting started, you just kind of regurgitate other things that you've heard other people say. You don't, you haven't really like developed a style or even a sense of confidence to go up there and just be yourself, you know? And so one story in particular, for whatever reason, this is the one that stands out to me is we were, we, we were doing some sort of event the following week or whatever. And I was delivering an announcement about, about that event. And somehow I really don't, I can't, I can't even explain how I got on this, this train of thought, but have you ever had, have it, had it where like words just start spilling out of your mouth and you're like, I have no idea where this sentence is going, but I just five minutes in the last five minutes. What do you mean? Yeah. Right. Well, so somehow I started getting talking about like the Holy spirit and like got on this like deep, like theological explanation of what the Holy spirit is and whatnot. And I was just like, Oh my, like I could just and my, our pastor was sitting in the front row and I could just like see his eyeballs getting wider and like, you need to shut up. You know, like you need to wrap this up. I don't know where you're going. Just tell him it's at, it's on Wednesday at nine o'clock. Right. Like, so, uh, that was, uh, that was probably a bad way of explaining that situation, but that was a situation where I, I could tell him a, I had no idea what I was talking about. B, uh, my pastor, could realize that I had no idea what I was talking about and see the entire like congregation and audience was like, who the heck is this guy? Right. So somehow I wrapped it up and just, you know, got that, got that one out of my system. But, um, yeah, in terms of being like on how that translates to being on camera, I think for me, I could all actually, I'll be real with you. Uh, currently, I wouldn't say it's necessarily something I'm struggling with, but I feel like it's an ongoing, just like battle to make sure that, for me, I want to be like my real self. I don't want there to be like a camera version of me, which I think in some situations, there's always going to be different versions of yourself. Even if you're being the same person, uh, the way that you and I would talk to each other one-on-one, that 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 style of communication, it's going to be a little bit different than if I were to talk to a group of, say, 20 people right now. Totally. Um, just in terms of maybe your energy, the tone of your voice, right? There are mm-hmm. certain things that you kind of want to play into or read the room, as they say. But with that being said, talking in front of a camera, it's just, it's it's difficult to like have that be your true genuine self to not try to put on any sort of facade or, or like I said, kind of regurgitate just things that other people have said that you've never even said yourself, but you're just kind of spewing it out, you know? So, uh, it's an on, it really is like an ongoing process. You're only going to get better with time and get better with practice and reps, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think just having a lot of failures is, is a good thing for sure. (laughs) I mean, I know we've both had our respective failures over the, over the years and, uh, for me getting kicked out of college, I've been to jail twice and, uh, both on just like stupid situations, of course, but those moments, like literally the lowest moments in my life, yeah, I feel almost like I have to talk about them and share them because like, here I am sitting here, healthy, happy, almost everything in my life is, I, I, I'm so grateful for everything, yeah. but I've been at points in the last five years where I'm literally in King County jail thinking, are they going to let me out? like tomorrow or not, you know? And I've, I've six weeks before graduation, I got kicked out of college. So I've had these like down moments, you know? And so being able to come back from that 
and share the stories and kind of understand like how I kept a strong mindset through those times. Obviously it wasn't easy. Like I had, I broke down many, many times in my yeah. life, of course. So uh, I, I really think that's some of the most real stuff that I can share about. And maybe we can both just kind of like share some of our challenges. Dude, I mean, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot that I could, that I could, that I will get into. Um, <laughs> so for you, I'm, I don't know if I, it sounds familiar that you went to jail, but I can't necessarily remember like seeing it necessarily. So, uh, what Didn't if you posted on social media, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's, uh, what is the story behind that? So I'm at a bar junior year, I'm 21 and I don't know what was happening. I was drunk as hell, of course. Yeah. Right. right. I'm not thinking straight. I'm just having a conversation with these two guys. Next thing you know, they've got me held down and they're bashing my head in. I get my shit beaten up in this bar and uh, go outside. I'm drunk, concussed, not thinking straight. I call the cops. My buddy, Nick, uh, you know, Nick Nordale, he yeah, was there. Yeah. He's like, dude, don't call the cops. Let's just leave. Everything's cool. I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm like being my, you know, privileged white kid self. Like, no, sure. I'm going to get those guys in trouble. They just, cause like I had a sprained thumb from playing hoops yeah, two yeah. days before. So I, there's no way I was like hitting anyone or did anything. I must've said something to make them mad. I don't even know. Anyways, these two kids um, were in the bar and I was like kind of yelling at the cops, not yelling, but I was like, those guys are in the bar. Like, why aren't you helping me? And they were just like, get out of here, kid, get out of here. We were kind of outside in the patio area outside the bar. And there was like two of my buddies and we were all just kind of like drunk and not really happy with the cops. And I don't know, uh, basically I called my mom on the phone. I was like, mom, these cops are not helping me hear the officer's names. I started telling my mom the officer's names and one of the cops just tackled me, slammed me on the ground out of completely out of the blue, unprovoked, no smashed my face on the ground, chipped my tooth, like fucked me up, man. Um, smashed my watch, like just like really got me good. And then put me in jail for three days saying that I assaulted an officer. So I was in there from Friday night till Monday night. And yeah, it was just a crazy experience, dude. Like just the, and, and so like with this last year, what's been going on in the conversation nationally around police brutality yeah. and things like I have a direct experience with that. Right. And so I have a lot of, um, compassion for people who go through that for sure, man. That's okay. I had no idea that that, uh, that, that went down, man. That is, that is actually insane. <laughs> what it was the crazy, heck? dude. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and so I was in there for three days. Like literally I did nothing. Like I actually did nothing wrong. There were yeah. never charges filed. Now, every time I come back into the U S at the border, they're just like, uh, Oh, so you punched a cop. And I'm like, no, that didn't even come close to happening. Yeah. So, so when you, I would assume went in front of a judge, like on Monday morning or whatever, uh, what, what happened? They just said, all right, charges are cleared or dropped or whatever. Well, here's the thing, man. I'm going to be straight. I have like my family friends are like pretty well-powered lawyers. They connected yeah. me to the yeah, best sure. um, criminal defense lawyer in Seattle. So like, you know, like the best of the best, whatever, like his company's well known in the court. So they sent a letter to the court saying like, there's just no evidence for that. I don't know exactly what they said, sure. but just the fact that I had this big time defense attorney on my team, yeah. right away, yeah, yeah. the court literally never found evidence to charge me. The, if you read the police reports, the cops actually like, they must've written the police report together, sitting in a conference room or something like that. Like right. so to make sure their stories line up. Right. But the cops are basically just saying that I like poked a cop or something like that. Oh my and, gosh. uh, and fortunately, I have the I have a family that supports me, and they paid for the lawyer. But if I didn't, like I I 
it's it just goes to show how unfair life really mm-hmm. is and yeah. i just recognize it like i could have put him put in jail for years for something i didn't even do right 100%. which is real and i have yeah. man i've heard some stories of people that i think it's the worst when you get in trouble for doing something you didn't do so uh, did that particular situation kind of shape you at all or change change your mentality or viewpoints on certain things or it's a good question I mean, obviously I can tell that now you have like a newfound compassion for people who've gone through that situation. But I mean, even, even beyond that, uh, whether it's that, I mean, it's hard to really call that a failure because again, you didn't really necessarily do anything, but that is like some serious adversity and a really crappy situation. Yeah. Getting Um, kicked out of college six weeks before graduation. That was a failure for me. That was my, I shipped a package of weed in the mail. Cop showed up to the house. Oh my gosh, dude! So I've had these moments in my life where I've just made stupid decisions. Yeah, I'll I've say. been. Man, it's just you look back and you're, I'm just thankful that I'm still able to like do what I want to do because like that moment getting kicked out of college. I've told the story before, but it put me on a path where I had to like actually find my own way. Yeah. Whereas before that, it was like, oh, just go to college and get a job and then this and that. I didn't. I was out of college. I didn't have a degree. So yeah, sure. Kind of like that's when I started detailing cars. I had the car detailing business going to my parents' garage and then the photography on the side. And then between those, that's how I funded the Europe trip and then okay. got the momentum going. So got yeah, it. there's just a ton going on, man. Well, I definitely, <laughs> I, I want to, I want to eventually get into Europe, uh, your, your, your business that, that you're, that you're running right now and everything. Uh, but to kind of just be on the, <clears throat> on the, uh, the topic of, of failures or whatnot. So, um, you had mentioned something about like my faith and whatever, and <clears throat> sorry, we can, yeah, we'll just kind of see where it goes. But uh, for me, just to kind of share where my life has been over the last, I mean, almost what, 10 years, I guess, since we've seen each other or whatever. Um, so shortly right after high school, and even even my senior year in high school, started dabbling a ton into drugs, which like beyond kind of your classic, like weed and, and, and drinking and everything like that. Uh, but actually long story short, kind of found myself like in the middle, pretty deep of like an opiate addiction, just doing painkillers and, and beyond that as well. And <clears throat> kind of got to the point. So I was, I went to just like a, uh, a small community college to go play hoops at and, eventually the, the, the addiction got to a point where like everybody was like, wow, what's, you know, what's going on and got into just a lot of trouble with, um, cause you know, eventually this is like a very common story with addicts is that, uh, you just spend all your money. Every last, uh, dollar that you have will eventually go and fund your habit, uh, to the point where you have no money. And even in a lot of, a lot of times, the reason that people end up in jail for drug related issues, uh, is because they commit crimes to get money to pay for their, for their habit, for their addiction. And, uh, that's kind of exactly where I found myself at, uh, one point was I stole money from somebody. Um, and so kind of got faced with this pretty crazy situation where it was like, all right, uh, if I choose to basically do nothing, then the cops will actually show up here in about an hour and I will be, you know, charged as an adult, uh, felonies. It's, it's not going to be pretty or, uh, very thankfully, I had the option to or go to rehab, come out of rehab, show that I'm making a change, that I'm on a path uh, to be different, and basically the sentence will be a lot uh, 
less severe for for my actions. And so uh, went to rehab, got clean, but it was actually in rehab that um, I actually, you know, had that come to Jesus moment, literally come to Jesus, um, where, you know, you just kind of, you're, I'm at my lowest point in life, right? Uh, feeling like a total failure, like I've accomplished nothing and that I've almost ruined the rest of my life with really, really poor idiotic actions and decisions. And so, um, yeah, it was, a, it was actually a Christian rehab facility that I, I didn't even know that going into it, but, uh, you know, of course it was all meant to be. So anyways, uh, found Jesus, became a Christian and not just like with my faith in what I believe, uh, this world to be all about, but actually, you know, influencing decisions and actions moving forward. So, uh, started going to church, you know, just a lot of cool things started happening. Um, met some really cool people, had a lot of awesome, awesome people that, uh, were kind of in my corner, helping me get back on my feet. Uh, and that kind of that, uh, that circle of people, that environment really like totally, totally changed my life to where, you know, now I can kind of speak, uh, six years after all of that happened being like, wow, you know, like life is good. You know, it's not perfect, but life, life is good. Um, not, not, uh, feeling the weight or the burden of past decisions, but actually feel like, wow, I've got my whole future in front of me. And, uh, I'll tell you kind of, for me, looking back on things, reflecting on all of that, uh, it's it's interesting because your your failures and just adver- adversity that you go through, it's so cliche, but it, it's one hundred percent true. Um, it changes you, right? It makes you a better person, and hopefully, if it is a mistake or a failure, you actually learn from that. And unfortunately, my life has always been. Uh, learn through mistakes. I, I wish I could just take people's advice that are older than me who said, don't do that, don't do that, right? And just trust that if you touch the stove, it's going to hurt. Uh, but I've always been the person who's got to figure that out for myself, you know? And so, uh, yeah, man, it's it's been a, it's been a crazy, crazy ride and uh, <laughs> very thankful to just be, be where I'm at right now, for sure. That's a Cool story, man. Thanks for sharing. I I didn't really know that about you, like the kind of the, the direction that got you to really dive into the Christian faith. Um, in high school, were you part of the Young Life at all? No, um, I had friends that were kind of, um, and like I went to a, an event here or there, you know, but in terms of actually having some sort of deep impact on me, no. Mm-hmm. Some of my biggest mentors in high school, maybe people that kept me a little bit more on the path, um, just a positive path. Yeah. Like guys like Ben Malcolmson and Char Beck and Marshall Jameson, who was a junior varsity basketball coach, of course. Yeah. Uh, just really some of the best human beings I've ever met and largely their values are derived from their Christian faith. So I just yeah. really have a lot of appreciation for like what that religion stands for and a lot of religions. Stand for, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I appreciate you saying that, man, because I think there are a lot of just unfortunate and and rightfully so in some ways, but unfortunately there's a lot of uh, hate and prejudice kind of stereotypes that come from that, that people have over like Christians, which again, there are definitely the, 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 the few, the minority of Christians who are very outspoken about certain beliefs and certain uh, bigotry that they 
that they hold, right? But uh, I would say that the majority of people that I've come across and people that I uh, run with, if you will, you know, are, are very just loving people. And whether or not you believe in the same God that we do, just have a super, just real compassion and heart for other people, just for like for for the fellow human being, you know. Uh, which, yeah, I've absolutely experienced that from from other people as well. So it's just, yeah, it's 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 awesome. What was it about the Christian aspect and the faith aspect that helped you transition from what sounded like yeah. you know, rock bottom to where to the next? Well, I, I would say, by the way, I love, I love this because I came here ready to ask you a million questions, but it's like, I'm, an, I'm being interviewed on my own podcast. I love it. So, uh, so what was it about the Christian faith? I, like, and also, because I, I know the 12 step yeah. process is based yeah. in like a, it's a Christian, like a lot of Christian concepts, at least. Like, it's a lot about like kind of giving your, like realizing that you don't necessarily have control over yeah. this one thing and how, yeah. allowing that higher power to come. It's definitely you. derived from Christian beliefs, but it is, of course, non denominational because it is ran by state and federal programs. So, uh, but for me, what it, what, it, what it was about the Christian faith. For one, it's not like I had a whole lot of options to choose from. It wasn't like somebody gave me a pamphlet of here are your religious options to choose from. Um, pick pick which one looks the best for you. For me, it was more so I was kind of immersed in this uh, Christian environment where they're reading the Bible and praying and uh, just loving each other, you know, in just a real genuine way. And at first, I was very resistant to that. I was like, man, just you guys are absolutely bonkers just <laughs> just give me the give me you know give me whatever i need to do to get back on you know to to get off the drugs and i'll be on my way you know um for me what really did it was an actual experience so it wasn't anything i read or anything that somebody told me is a genuine experience where uh, we were all kind of at this uh like church event and I don't know, I just felt like what the pastor was talking about just kind of resonated with me a little bit. Um, you know, kind of just felt like he was talking to me. Obviously, he was talking to everybody, Just, but it just kind of felt like, man, you know, this guy's reading my mail right now. Um, and at the end of everything, he just kind of threw out this, opp- this, this opportunity for people. He said, hey, you know, if you're not a current Jesus follower, if you're, if you're not somebody who currently has given your life to, to God, uh, what, you know, why don't you do it right now? Not like pressuring, but just saying here, here's an opportunity. If you want to do this, let's do it right now. And I don't know. I just was like, all right, wow. Holy crap. Uh, maybe, maybe I should like, I've literally tried just about everything else. I've absolutely tried, uh, doing this life on my own, on my own strength and my own abilities and look at where that's gotten me. Uh, kind of, I honestly just kind of said, why the heck not? If it doesn't work, I'm still right where I'm at, right? So they did, you know, what's what's called like an altar call. So uh, anybody who wanted to like accept Jesus as their their God, as their Lord, uh, basically just kind of made a declaration like, shoot your hand up. Who wants it? And I threw my hand up <clears throat> and uh, we all kind of prayed and whatnot. And man, I just, I felt different. Like I felt and I've done a lot of drugs in my life, man, but I felt a physical high unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my life. And it wasn't, 
I shouldn't say a high, but like this euphoric, like physical, like present feeling where I was like, I am not making this up right now. Like this is a real thing that I'm experiencing. And it just like, it stuck with me for like an hour. And I was like, what is going on right now? Like this is, this is really weird. And at the time I was still detoxing pretty hard from my drugs, but like, it was like instantly, it was like, I felt normal again and then some. And looking back on it, I've kind of described it as I felt like God was basically saying, uh, you don't need to look for, for, you don't need to look to substances and to drugs to feel good. Uh, not to say that God is going to provide you with this high, but just, I felt like his, it was, it was his kind of way of, of meeting me where I was at. Uh, and it was that experience that led me to kind of continue in pursuing, uh, what this whole thing was all about. And then it was just kind of man, like the fruit kind of spoke for itself. You know, I just kept pursuing what I felt like was the right way to live life and, uh, right way for me, at least I should say to live life and just kind of like actually developing some, some of my own morals and values, because I'll be real. I had none, like 100% had no morals, had no moral compass, had no regard for another human's life. And so just started pursuing those ideas, that theology. And, uh, again, not that life became perfect, but life got a whole lot better. And that just kind of made me realize like, all right, this is, this is the way at least for me. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, it's just, it's made all the difference in the world. And there's no way that I would be, not that I've made it to at any sort of level, but just, there's no way I'd be where I'm at right now. Had it not been for, for my faith and, um, just, there's also been a lot of really cool opportunities that have happened that, you know, you might look from the outside and say that was a coincidence. But for me, I feel like, no, that was all, you know, that was all kind of part of the plan. So I firmly believe that once you start, like I've phrased this in a bunch of different ways and I've heard other people say it in different ways, but when you're living in tune with your purpose or like doing what your soul is meant to do, those little weird, what you could call them coincidences, they start to just pop up all the time. Like today, for example, this is just random. I'm not like a, you know, too superstitious guy. I'm talking to you, one of my buddies from middle school, high school basketball, and I'm going to pick up some hard drives from none other than Gavin Cree in person in the same (laughs) day. I haven't talked to you. I haven't seen you or him in years. And by some weird chance, there's these parallel things happening and it culminated on the same day. I don't know. Just weird stuff like that. I just like to say, okay, maybe you are doing the right thing, doing a podcast with Amazon working on this 100%. Yeah. So, well, I think you just know, I think you can, I think you can have, hopefully if you have some sort of just kind of like self-awareness and maybe, maybe it takes certain situations to to gain that. But if you're kind of, if you're somewhat trying to take, take notice and be self-aware of what's going on, I think, you know, when you're doing the right thing, you know, like, man, I think our, not to get like too meta here, but I I think like our self-conscious bro is like a really powerful thing, you know? And even in my worst days, like I said, I had no morals, I had no values, but I knew, man, like I knew those decisions were not the right ones, but I just didn't give a crap to to make any other decision. But I think, man, your self-conscious is so powerful. And when that self-conscious is telling you this is the right thing, I think that's a really awesome feeling. And uh, I absolutely agree that it, it usually is is when kind of like you're aligned, oops, when you're aligned with your with your purpose or, you know, with, with yeah, like you said, your soul's purpose. I love that. For years, I was 
unaligned all through end of high school, all through high school, really yeah. college. I just, I knew that I was going to have to go like my own path, if you will. And I use that terminology, but I knew I was going to have to like do something for myself, similar to what you were talking about. And yeah. when I did that, when I got kicked out of college and actually started making decisions for myself, like hundred percent, everything's on me at this point, I was 23 at the time that moment, I look back at it as like the day I actually started living my life. Like I'm, I tell my girlfriend I'm four years old or three years old because I've been truly conscious making decisions with my, like really my life purpose in mind for three, three years. And it's so, it feels so good, man. I, uh, yeah, no, that that's, that's really cool. And I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. I feel like, and you know, it's funny cause we even use that terminology, like it's in the Bible, but, uh, you know, called being reborn. Right. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's a very, I, I love that terminology because it, it really does feel like, all right, I'm, I've got like a new life now. Um, which is, which is just awesome. So, man, so one of the, one of the big reasons that I was stoked to talk to you and we don't necessarily have to transition out of talking about really cool, meaningful, deep <laughs> stuff, but I, I would also really love to talk about just what you're currently doing, totally. man. Um, because I'm super inspired by, it. like I said, I, you know, been on your website several times and even this morning, just kind of prepping for, for our talk, uh, wanted to just get a, get an update about kind of the work that you're doing and, stuff that you're you're putting out there and uh so you're when i kind of introduced you at the beginning said aka the adventure creator uh that's not my nickname that i'm giving you that's that's literally uh kind of part of your brand almost if you will uh that's the name of your podcast the adventure creator podcast uh and where where exactly does that name come from but even more than just like the origin of that, which you have an awesome blog post about that, but kind of what are you, what are you up to right now in regards to creating adventures? Thank you, man. I appreciate the question. Um, Adventure creator came about during that time. I was telling you when I was like kind of three, four years ago when I was like really starting to think about film and writing as a viable path. And I've constantly been adjusting what I identify as. Is it photographer, editor, is it creator, filmmaker? And like, Ultimately, none of that stuff matters. It matters what you're creating. So I've created now 55 podcasts. Um, I've done a few short films, um, a lot of photography. So I, I call myself a, a creator, but primarily a video editor. And the reason for that is because the majority of what I do is editing podcasts for a company called Creative Live. They do online classes for creatives and um Basically, from anything from designers to entrepreneurs, they'll have some of the world's top performers come on and share their knowledge. And it's kind of like a master class, if you will, but more designed for creators and makers, hobbyists, as well as professionals. And through that, I wrote down a bullet point because early in the conversation, you mentioned this. And I've learned a ton, not only about technical video editing and podcasting and things like that, but also just about mindset, life the people that come on the show I edit, it's called the Chase Jarvis live show. They're all, they're from all walks of life, all sorts of different experiences. They had Mike Horn on the show this week. Who's one of the world's most prominent expedition guys. He does, he did 60 something days in pure darkness to go to the North pole during the winter, just like crazy stuff like that. And he's, he's talking about inspiration and motivation and how you have to learn how to inspire yourself when the times are hard this guy's telling a story about 
when it's minus 40, minus 50, and you're in your sleeping bag, you think you want to get out and you want to pull that sled? Absolutely not. But you know what I do? I get out and I pull that sled. And like those moments for me, like I feel similar to how when you were just talking, I literally feel a physical sensation of like my in my stomach, kind of a tingly feeling when I really resonate on a deep level with what someone's saying. And that to me is the power of podcasting and why I'm continuing to pursue it really as such a unique medium for storytelling. We can go so deep and learn so much about each other in an hour or two. And uh, it doesn't take weeks and months to edit the videos, which um, kind of rewind a little bit. I was also making like travel videos and kind of like trying to figure that whole scene out. And it wasn't for me, man. So the podcasting mm. for me, I'm sitting here in the present moment with you on a Saturday. This is awesome. Yeah. And I want to keep doing it. So that's a little bit about what I'm doing. Um, I'm actually going to be, this is still kind of up in the air, but expanding from video editor towards more of the producing around the podcast, just taking more ownership mm, of that's so the cool. Chase Jarvis Live podcast and super excited about that. So it's called creativelive.com? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on it. I'm on it right now. Um, so you, so are you working like full time for them right, right now, now? I'm basically a contract employee. Um, okay. and yep. so that I work about 25 hours a week or so somewhere in there, sometimes less, sometimes more. And that gives me the freedom to do this podcast. And like last year I, I made a film called still skiing about my two friends that are ski bums and just how no yeah. matter what shit goes down, they are still skiing knee injury, you know, COVID hits, all these things there. That's like their lifestyle. So I, I just want to keep telling human stories. And if one person hits me up after I create something, it doesn't matter how much effort I put into it and says, yo, that changed the way I thought about this. And now I'm improving my life in X, Y, Z ways. Like whether it's, I had a buddy say, oh, dude, I started meditating or, oh, I, sh I shifted jobs because you were talking about how short life is and how if you're going to spend 40 years doing something, you better enjoy it to some degree or try, you know? So yeah. Uh, that, those are some of the things that like drive me and uh, I just want to keep creating. I think more entrepreneurship is the route for me in the future, continuing to podcast as a passion project and ideally making it um, into something that's a little bit bigger. But yeah, two things, other things I'm working on, because there's this concept I want to mention here. It's called, um, it's, I think it's this guy named Jesse Itzler and he's a entrepreneur. He started like Coconut Water Company and some others owns the Atlanta, he owns okay. the Atlanta Hawks. And he talks about this concept called the four buckets. And this concept helped to just direct my energy in the right ways. And the idea is that when an opportunity or something is presented to you, like, do you want to do this? Yes or no. You can think about it as does it fall into one of four buckets? So those four buckets are family, finances, health are the main three. And then the fourth one is just like special projects that I'm interested in or you're passionate about. So mm -hmm. I always, I, I started doing this. It's like, okay, does let's say watching Netflix tonight for two hours fall into a bucket? No. Okay. So it's a no does like spending time with my family and taking a break from work and going, having dinner with my family fall into a bucket. Yes, it does. So I'll do that. And I've aligned my life more because I'm very conscious about how I spend my time in that way. Um, and just applying that has been, hugely powerful because you're not wasting time doing things you don't want to do. I don't know where I was just going with that. I was no, man, that's, that's really interesting that you, that you bring that up. So let me ask you then, uh, do you ever like struggle with that mindset of trying to put, put your decisions, filtering it through one of those four, you know, uh, buckets, like, cause I, I would have to imagine. So does that mean, you know, I'm not, I'm 
kind of speaking tongue tongue in cheek here, but does that mean you never watch Netflix? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Right. Course not. But Netflix so, can fall into a bucket, let's say, if it's the health bucket and it's time, mm. you feel like, hey, this is something I need to do. One of my biggest um, things that I find is like part of what makes me able to operate with a positive mindset and get a lot of work done, be productive, these things is giving time to myself. So I'll go for a mountain bike ride for three hours. I'll take Tuesday and Wednesday off. This week, I went skiing three days this week. So I'm super focused on my work when I am doing it because I know I'm going to have that time up in the mountains and I have a purpose for why I'm like trying to get so much done in so much, such a short amount of time. And you, everyone's yeah. got their own values. It's really everything in life in terms of how you allocate time. It's a matter of priority priorities. So if you say you don't have time for something, it's, it's not, you don't have time. It's that it's not a priority for you right now. Right. Yeah. That's man. That's really smart. I hear, I hear that a lot. I've even made that, that excuse several times when it's like, all right, uh, we all have literally the exact same amount of time. Just, you know, are you playing too much Halo or Call of Duty during that time? Or, you know, what, what are you doing? So, um, man, that's that's really interesting, kind of your what you're currently doing then. So w- one thing I'm very curious in is, and you don't have to necessarily give me the entire spiel or, you know, you can go into as little or as deep as you want here. But um, I, w- I would have to imagine for people who are listening and they're like, wow, you took two days off of work this week to go skiing. That sounds awesome. I wish I could do that. And I can't cause I work a nine to five or whatever. Um, how did you necessarily kind of get into that freedom or that flexibility? Obviously it doesn't happen overnight, but, um, you know, I would have to imagine that your, your flexibility wasn't always that way. So how did, how did, how did it come from, how, how did you kind of progress to where you're at currently right now? It's a, I mean, it's a matter of priorities, but my job, I mean, my job's not a full-time job. I'm going to be doing a full-time job. So everything's going to be changing. I'm not have a little bit less freedom with my time, but because I, I believe it's going to be in the, it's going to be a move in the right direction long-term, but, um, it didn't, didn't happen overnight. I've always priority prioritized going outdoors and I've, um, sorry, I got a little noise in the background, but no, I've, good. um, over the years, I've just done less things that don't really fill me up. They're not as I've got a buddy. Um, sorry, it's the printer. I've got a buddy who uses this term called life giving activities. And I just love it because it's like, what are the activities that make you feel alive and, and bring you life? And so doing more of those is going to naturally lead you to a better place. And so, yeah, I mean, I make sacrifices. Uh, I'm going to be working all weekend this weekend, you know, and it's just uh, because the crowds go skiing on the weekends and t- take care, man. Um, and the middle of the week, it's wide open. So that's kind of, I, I just, I am able to be flexible with my time because I'm willing to work early. I'm willing to work late. My job involves often, let's say my, like we have episodes that go out Monday and Wednesday, and there'll be times when it's Saturday night and I haven't gotten a project that's due on Sunday or it's even Sunday morning. And I've, and I get delivered work that's due that night. And so then my flexibility on that day it's completely out of my hands. Like, so it's a, it's a win. It's kind of like a trade-off always. And I think, um, from the people that I've seen create lives for themselves that they really enjoy and that they're fulfilled in, they don't work too much just to make money. They cut their expenses. They sacrifice what doesn't really bring them joy. And they put all of their energy into building their craft or, traveling or spending time with family or whatever cooking. So you're not like 
working 40, 50 hours and then coming home tired, you're working 30 hours and then you're coming home and you're putting that extra energy into, let's say a podcast or whatever. Like that's been my mentality. And I just keep telling myself in the long run, keep investing in yourself. The amount of money you can make in that extra 10 hours a week, it can be, it can be helpful. You can save money for sure. I've saved less money than I probably would have if I had gone a different path, but I've just been continuing to hold out and, um, yeah, it, it can be tempting to just try and do paid work, but I've consciously said no to things that I feel aren't moving me in the direction I want to go. Hmm. Man, that's really that's really insightful. So, because I, I I love hearing that because I think that's a very well, it's it's the classic case of <clears throat> the grass is always greener, and I I know for I know for a fact that a lot of people who are kind of working your classic monotonous day job you know, working for whatever company it is, doing whatever, you know, seemingly meaningless job there is. Uh, There's a lot of people who just think like, oh my gosh, life would be so freaking awesome if I, you know, had the ability to just go skiing two days a week or whatever. But there really is, in some ways, uh, a trade-off because like you said, uh, you'll get dropped a project on you Sunday morning that's expected to be delivered, polished, and edited uh, in 24 hours. And I would have to imagine there's a lot of people who do not work on Sundays, right? There's a, that's, that's usually not even, you don't have to be a Christian to, to, to have Sunday be kind of the day of the we international the day of rest, tomorrow, right? Bro, so no one's going to yeah, be there. Right? And then Monday, no one works Yeah, either, exactly. So those are my days. Right. I'm going to be on the computer. I, I'll probably poke my eye up and maybe see the Super Bowl screen for a minute or two. But. Yeah. No, man. And, and, I, and I also just love what you said about kind of taking on less work because uh for a little season I'm literally just coming out of it uh my schedule was so dang busy because I was trying to do everything and say yes to everything which I think there is value in always saying yes at a certain point uh but it absolutely got kind of got to a point where it's like what I want to do five years from now who I want to be five years from now I don't think I'm going to get there by doing all of this work by saying yes to every single client project by saying yes to you know every opportunity that's being offered um and i i love the idea of hey i'm gonna make a little bit less money which means maybe i don't go out to eat as many times this week or i make the sacrifice on you know the type of car or the type of apartment that i live in or whatever the situation is i'm gonna i'm gonna accept a little bit less money because ultimately that's going to free up more time, which is so much more valuable than money and, and use that time to, you know, pursue whatever it is, which is why I'm, I'm having a pot, why I have a podcast right now is because I have the time. It's the same reason why I'm, I'm able to, uh, you know, put videos out there on YouTube because thankfully I have the time right now, but another thing, sorry, I'm just kind of rambling here, but side kind of, it, it all aligns. But, uh, one thing that I, I always want to like tell people who are working your classic nine to five who are complaining about it. For one, it's kind of a good thing because you have a consistent paycheck that you can always depend on no matter what. But also, you also kind of just have like this gated window of time where you know, okay, I'm committed from nine to five, eight to four, seven, whatever. I'm committed there, but I have five to 10 p.m. or, you know, however late you stay up. I have Saturday and Sunday. I have july 4th weekend right like whatever your kind of your normal days off are 
you have that time to really start pursuing other things, which is exactly what that's kind of my story as well. Is like I worked some pretty crappy jobs, man, in the in the process to kind of doing what I enjoy doing, right? What I what I enjoy to do right now. Um, but it's really using every opportunity that you have. Stop freaking complaining about the fact that you have a sucky job, but just use that as motivation and use kind of use the benefits of a sucky job to get you out of it, I guess, if that makes sense. Well said, for sure. Well said. How did you, like, it can be hard to really find time and make the, like, put the energy into, like, putting momentum towards creating a small photography yeah. business in your situation. Yeah. Like, how did you do that? Like, strategically, how'd you fit that in? Yeah. Um, okay, so... Uh, I worked at a job that absolutely sucked. It was moving furniture. And uh, thankfully, I was a good enough employee, I think, uh, to eventually kind of over time, I earned some flexibility in scheduling and kind of earned the seniority of, hey, boss, I need to take this weekend off or I need to take Friday off to shoot a wedding or whatever. Um, so I did have some of those opportunities out there. But I, I think the rea- how how I got from working a horrible job to now at least not that I have the greatest job in the world, but I I'm able, I'm working in the industry that I want to be working in. I'm doing the things that I want to be doing. I say Um, from zero to one, getting from zero to one. I got a buddy. We we just, we like, if there's 10 steps and 10 is LeBron James, like just get from zero to one can be the hardest step just from, from the couch to the sidelines. You know, you're not even sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, the first thing I did, uh, yeah, the first thing I did was I kind of just made a mental game plan of, uh, what do I want to do? So, and that has, that answer has changed for me a lot, but, uh, at the time it was like, you know, I want to, I want to be a freelancer. I want to, um, run my own business. I want to be my own boss. Okay. How, what's, what is step number one? Well, I, I assume it's getting somebody who's going to pay me to do something for them. Right. Uh, okay. Well then, you know, it just kind of kept breaking it down smaller, smaller, smaller. How do I get somebody to pay me to do something? Well, they have to know who I am. I, I would imagine. Well, how do they know who I am? Well, they're going to have to see my face at some point pop up on their screen or they're going to have to see, uh, or they're going to have to hear from another person that they trust that so-and-so did my, did my video. Well, how am I going to get that first person to let me shoot their video or even pay me to shoot their video? And for me, I determined that that first step was to offer my work for free. And I just DM'd a bunch of people, a bunch of businesses, a bunch of small town or yeah, locally owned places that I knew that kind of relational connection meant meant a lot. Uh, and I realized that they probably were the type of people who didn't necessarily have a huge budget to actually hire a full out production team to come in and shoot their, their content. So I just DM'd a bunch of people and thankfully got a f- quite a few responses of like, Oh, you want to shoot a video for free for us? Heck yeah. Come on in. You know, it's a win-win if you suck. I don't care. I didn't pay any money for it. So, uh, that was the first step literally zero to one was pulled out my phone, came up with a decently crafted, uh, message and just sent it out to a bunch of people on, on Instagram and, uh, got a few, got a few coming back that came back and said yes. And that, that kind of just started, uh, step two, three, four, et cetera. Nice. So, did any of those turn into paid jobs or did other, like other word of mouth? Lead yeah. Well, it actually, what it, what it turned, what it turned into was a full-time paid <laughs> nice. job. So, um, what I was able to do was make a, make several videos for, uh, you know, like coffee shops, 
there's like this really cool plant shop uh, here locally that I did a bunch of photos for. And that kind of led, that turned into me starting to do some real estate uh, videos and photography for, a, you know, a whole uh, a branch, a real estate branch. But eventually all of that stuff, I kind of just kept posting about it, like on my stories of, hey, I'm over here doing this. Hey, I'm doing this or whatever. Uh, and then specifically, I made a, vi I made, uh, I, t I took some photos. I did like a, a mock-up, like fake Bose headphone photo shoot where I just, I, you know, took my Bose headphones, put them up on like a black piece of paper and just like took some cool stylized photos. Uh, cause I, it was fun for me to do. And I just kind of thought, Hey, you know, whatever, wh whatever happens, happens. Literally somebody saw those photos and called me in for an interview like the next day which uh is who i'm currently working for now that's so. super cool <laughs> yeah which obviously that's not going to happen for everybody but it was just it was the idea it was the concept of uh you know i'm going to either do things for very cheap if not free or i'm just going to do things that make me happy that are fun for me and um man you, you just i guess you moral of the story, you never know who's watching. You never know whose attention you might be able to grab by at least just having some piece of content to put out there in the world, you know? Totally. So when did you start your website? Very early. Yeah. That was, that was one thing that I knew, like I had to, if I want to even come across as halfway right. legit, I need to have a website. <laughs> right. So yeah, dude, I just like clicked on somebody's you know, Squarespace get 10% off link or whatever, you know, and just, so that was kind of the, the start of it. Uh, Haley and I, we shot like a, we shot our first wedding. We literally offered to shoot an entire wedding for free. They ended up paying us like 500 bucks just for saying that, you know, just saying yeah. thanks. But, um, we had a wedding and once we had a wedding, I was like, all right, let's start a website right now. You know, we have a piece of yes. content to put out there on our website. We have a portfolio piece that we can display. Um, and then, you know, the early websites, just was like anytime I did anything, I put that stuff up there, you know, just to show that, hey, this is what I do. Uh, made a lot of like, yeah, kind of like what you what you were doing, just like travel videos that I would put on YouTube. And so I just kind of, attack, you know, embed the link and all that stuff. And um, eventually, you know, it's, I hate when people say this, but it's kind of the, it's kind of the truth. Like if you just continue to do that kind of stuff, eventually you'll have just more and more to post and more pieces of content or portfolio pieces that you can now use and display. But I would, a website, if you want to be taken seriously, for the most part, people are not going to take like your Instagrams very seriously. I mean, they might, but I mean, that's how I got my job was through Instagram. But for the most part, uh, people who are actually wanting to pay you, they want to see a website of some kind. So a lot of the folks that listen to this pod are trying to grow creatively or in some direction? I think so. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure yet on the demographic of the audience, but the way that I've been promoting this, this uh, podcast is for aspiring entrepreneurs and creative, specifically creative uh, people who want to either do video, photo, uh, maybe write, blog, that whole mm -hmm. thing. Um, but people who kind of want to use their creativity to make mm -hmm. money. There's so many um, paths, man. And that's the cool thing. Yeah. Like, you just have to start sampling. This is a lot of, I mean, and if you actually check a lot of what I'm saying, it's just other people's yeah. information that I've yeah. kind of melted down and regurgitated. But if you, um, if you don't try something, you'll never know if you don't like it or not. 
if you don't make a film, yep. like if you're sitting there, like you have a full-time job or you're not doing something creative, but you're like, I want to be a photographer. It's like, just take some photos during your lunch break as you're having a sandwich, you know, and post those. And then from there, if you like that process, like build, build something slightly bigger. I, I think a lot of people get to like, they do too much analysis, analysis by paralysis. You ever heard that term? And they don't actually act. So one of the, yeah, one of the things that I definitely think is huge is just doing it, not judging the outcome at all. Of course, all your stuff at the beginning is going to be weak. Like I look at, I look back at my first photos on my Instagram. It's like, wow, I, po- I, I thought that was like a professional level shot. Like absolutely not. Um, and when you do just keep doing it out of passion, like the podcast, for example, for me, it's like, eventually now I look back and I have 55 conversations and so much wisdom and insight and positivity put out in the world and a couple thousand, couple thousand listens at this point. And, uh, it's just growing and building momentum. And that wasn't possible without just like that initial step, like just, yeah, dude, that's so dope. I I hope to get to 55 (laughs) episodes. I hope to stay consistent enough to, to make that a reality. So that's, that's awesome. To be honest, man, like I I don't feel like I have, I feel like I've let down anyone who wants an episode every week. I feel like I've been letting them down for so long. I've been doing Mm. this podcast for almost two years and I've done 55. So every couple of weeks and like this week I've done three. I'm just trying to, trying to get as many as I can now. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, I'm going to be honest, that is my goal. My goal is a weekly episode, which is going to be freaking hard. I already know that. I know that for the majority of people who are able to post weekly uh, in some way, shape or form, it is part of their job. But so in, meaning they have like time allocated, allocated mm-hmm. to it. Whereas this is definitely passion uh, funded here. But um, this is the good stuff, man, bro. This is the good. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you then. Uh, you went on a trip to Europe a couple years back and I do actually remember, I recall like seeing you post about this and, um, even, I think I even maybe saw a couple videos or, or whatnot. I, I can't super recall right now, but, uh, tell me about that trip. I know you briefly kind of talked about, um, how you funded it, but just what was that trip all about? Uh, and yeah, I just would love to hear, hear your story on that. So I had never really traveled abroad. It, um, it was 2017. I was just trying to kind of like find, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was making some videos. I was doing real estate photography, but I was just still like, I don't know. I was just, I wanted to experience things. I've always felt because I still felt this urge. Like I have every step I've taken has been given to me. And now I want to like do something where I'm just taking time for myself and experiencing different cultures. I think that was cool to see how people are, can be so different. That's the cool thing about Europe. I spent three months in 15 different countries and I saw that just right across different borders, there can be like completely contrasting cultures and societies, languages, people, the way they look, the way they act, their food. And I, I started to really get that travel bug, if you will. I just, there's something about experiencing a new place, not only because um, of the experience itself, but also the opportunity for personal growth. I always look at travel as like a chance for me to reset my habits, to disconnect from my, like the typical riffraff as this guy on my podcast said the other day, just like the the hectic noise of day-to-day life. And so I went there, I barely even had a cell plan and traveled solo in different hostels, met people from all over the world, still many of whom I keep in contact with. You remember Derek Newhoff? I do. Yeah. So Derek was playing professional basketball in Copenhagen and I went and visited him, stayed with him, saw a couple of their, a couple of their hoops games. And, uh, so I had 
him and then my ex-girlfriend was in Rome. So I bounced between Rome, Copenhagen, and then a bunch of other travel on my own. Uh, fell in love with Switzerland. I got to go to Sweden, Spain, and Portugal were also fantastic. But um, That's like my goal is to go to Switzerland sometime. Dude, it's expensive, but it's so beautiful. Yeah. So nice. If I could live were you making money at all during no, this time? No. Or I was, was draining the bank account from 10 grand to zero, essentially. And I think I maybe I even it. I think I maybe even got a grand or two from my mom to just like get me through because I was like really running out of money. It's Europe is expensive. Yeah. And I didn't have that much yeah. saved up. Um, so I came back and I went two days later back to Seattle U with this knowledge that I was going to pursue photography, film, and eventually a year later I graduated from Seattle U. And at that point I had enough things going on where I didn't actually even look for a job. One kind of landed in my lap a bit. Um, I worked in a documentary film where um, I spent like 18 months in this documentary film. It's a huge chapter, but um, basically during the production of that film, um, met the, the guy who we were making the film about, uh, hooked me up with some of his friends in Nepal. And I also went to the BAMP film festival off the recommendation of uh, another guy that I came in contact with because of that film. And did you go to it actually in Banff? In, I went to Banff. I went to the Adventure Filmmakers okay. Workshop. And that was another big inflection point in my path because it opened my eyes to the fact that I, I it empowered me to know that I could tell stories and that I could at least engage with teams on a professional, like we could, I could work with teams to make cool stories about the outdoors in documentary format. So I'm going all over the place here, but. Um, no, that I, I just that that's super cool i because i've been to like one of the traveling bamp film festivals oh, nice. that just kind of came through town came to spokane yeah. actually and that was like we went for my birthday one year and i was like this is the i was i had like the time of my life just seeing all these stories so yeah so i've cool. interviewed a few people that i went to the adventure filmmakers workshop with on my podcast and i've kept in touch with filmmaker from switzerland from the uk people around the world um and i hope to someday like work with some of these people i've worked a little bit with a girl from um, Vancouver, BC. So there's just, uh, yeah, in terms of your question about Europe, I think how it affected me, it was just like an eye-opening thing to just like, man, the world is so cool. And it was, it was like a chance for me to grow a bit, just being on my own, I think wouldn't take it back, but I definitely wouldn't do it the same way again. I would go somewhere else. Actually, I would either go further to Eastern Europe or I'd get more off the beaten path because it's mm. still pretty Western, like all the Western countries. Uh, it's like almost like you're in the U.S. Not, not really. It's it's cool. Italy's really nice, but I would push myself to go somewhere else. Um, but because my girlfriend, my ex girlfriend, and my friend were there, I went there. But I'm just sure. at this point. I'm just boring the story here. I did. No, I did no, no. Give well, that's the video uh, thing after that because I had my camera. That's what happened. I had my camera, my laptop, my drone, and my hard drive with all my footage from Europe three months stolen in Barcelona in the last week. Oh of the trip. my gosh. I remember seeing yeah. this, man. Tell me about Dude, that. I'm sitting on the beach. I mean, I've been there for 80 days in Europe, filming every single day, like all the time. Every city I went to, shooting photos, taking videos, selfie stuff. I wanted to make a whole film about myself going to Europe and having this, like white kid from the US goes to Europe, has a transformation, yeah. comes home. Would have been a for sure. film. And fortunately it was never made. So I'm not embarrassed by it. <laughs> But yeah, I was sitting out on the beach and I don't know, a group of people kind of came around us. This girl was walking on this ledge and distracted us. So I was watching this like four-year-old girl walking along like a 12-foot drop to concrete. And 
at the time, like my ex and I were like, what is going on here? Like this girl's like really in a sketchy spot. I'll turn around backpacks gone. Wow. And I'm running through the streets. I'm screaming my fucking head off. Anyone seen a backpack? And I'm crying. And I went to the police station. Obviously they can't do anything. Went to the airport, put a police report in there. It's just like, you know, it, the four or $5,000 of equipment was one thing at the time for me. That was like most of my life worth. And the, the drive was even worse. So it was a tough one, man. Dude, I think that the, again, another challenge, another failure that just continued to strengthen the mentality to like go through those things. Like now I shit can go down these days that it's like, man, that sucks. Like I just had to pay three grand to fix my car and I just shake it off, man. Like I'm, I'm thankful yeah. I can pay that money. I have it. Yes, it sucks, you know, of course. Um, but yeah, I just think that the bigger the failures that you overcome, the easier it is to get through more failures in the future. Yeah, well said, well said. Well, dude, what is the, uh, what is the, the, the learning lesson? I mean, and I'm not talking necessarily like big picture, but just like when it comes to kind of gear and everything like that, uh, what's the takeaway from having your stuff stolen? Don't man? bring it in the first place, man. Just bring mm. a phone, bring a small camera yeah. if you have to. You don't need a tripod. You don't need a drone. I mean, if you really want, get a little drone and bring a drone. I, I would bring, if I went back to Europe, I would get a DJI Mavic Mini 2, which my girlfriend has, a tiny little drone, yeah. beautiful 4K footage. And I would get an iPhone and I would go with those two things. I had an extra bag with me all through Europe. So stupid. I was literally, it's a, it's a analogy to actually who I was like on a spiritual level at that time. I had too much baggage and I'm not trying to like, I, I've actually never had this thought before. It just came in my head, but I was traveling around Europe with all this camera gear, with this goal to make this film about refugees, but I wasn't putting all my energy into that. I was like mostly traveling and maybe putting a little energy into talking to these nonprofit organizations and things. And I had all this gear with me. Ultimately, none of it mattered. It just slowed me down and tied me down. And if I were to go back and do it again, I would not bring any of the gear. Too much baggage, man. <laughs> man, that is that is so crazy. So I'm curious, because uh, you almost have like a minimalist style approach then to like gear at least is what it sounds I've sold like. sold most of my um, gear, to be honest, dude. I used to have lights. Really? I used to have tons of stuff. I still have a boom pole and a stand and mostly just because I don't, I'm doing less production work myself. I can rent it. If I, sure. if I get hired by a client, I just charge the client to go rent two lights and I don't need to own two $600 lights. Shit does. Yeah. Uh, I, I think true. the best investment I've ever made is my computer. I built a computer and then I just got a laptop last year, a really nice MacBook that I can work efficiently on from anywhere. So that changed my life. Do, what do you use more? I don't even use the PC anymore. I just went straight to the all Interesting. The full-time laptop. I do all my work Got on it. my laptop. I, I used to think, oh, you need big screens and this and that. No, you don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I recently just built a PC, which is why so why I'm yes. asking. And that was there's a lot of thought and intention behind behind that. But no, I, I totally agree. You can do so much with so little, but building uh, a PC is the way to go I, though. It's in terms of like yeah. economics, it's the move. You can get a really powerful computer for under two grand or so. Yeah. No, yeah. I uh built a, a pretty 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 strong beast nice. over here which is what I'm recording on and everything right now, but uh I'm I'm curious just cuz I don't know. I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but I'm just curious like have you ever dabbled or like um seen anything around like minimalism at all? Um I know what it is. I've actually never seen the documentary Minimalist Minimalist uh the Minimalist, but they're yeah. they're Yeah. I think it opens up a cool conversation. Personally, I'm still a gearhead. I'm still a gear guy. 
I've got a okay. mountain bike. Yeah. I've got a road bike. I've got skis. I got two sets of skis. I've got so much stuff. And that's part of being an American. You got to have stuff. Um, on one hand, the less stuff, the better, because if you have things that you don't really use now, your energy, your life energy, which is the most important thing that you have is going to things that don't matter at all. So I really, I'm very conscious about like what stuff I have. So if you go to my, if you go up to our apartment, I mean, our closets are full of like outdoors gear. We have slack line. We have all these with kayaking stuff or whatever, but you're not going to see like knickknacks. You're not going to see like little, sure. little things that just take up space. So I think I do apply the minimalist ideology a bit in a way, but I can't take full credit. I'm not a minimalist at all. Sure. I've, I've really like tried to educate myself within like the minimalist uh, mentality and, and understanding of what it, what it's all about. And the big misconception is that uh, minimalism is all about like physical mm -hmm. stuff, actual material items. When the reality is <clears throat> it's, it's much more about uh, you can have really as much stuff as you need, as long as it brings you some sort of value in life. Whereas, like you said, like, do you really need another knickknack to hang on the wall or to put on the, on the dresser? Another pair of Jordans, like that? But, another pair of basketball right. shoes, you know? <laughs> exactly. And so minimalism absolutely means something different to each person. But the reason I brought it up is just because there is a, uh, a filmmaker on YouTube. His name's Craig Adams. I don't know if you've ever I've heard, heard of him, him. but he, okay. He makes these unbelievable adventure films, um, on YouTube. And to be honest, he's, he's almost like developed his own niche of how he films and how he makes these, these videos that are much different than the classic, like EDM pumping travel films that you probably have seen a ton of times. Right. Um, but kind of bringing it all around, he is like a huge minimalist. Uh, and specifically, he's a minimalist when it comes to equipment and and what he brings with him. And um, I remember one time he had said something about he wants to just start filming exclusively on his smartphone, you know. And I don't know. It's just it's an interesting it's an interesting thought because I, I this is the one thing that I know for a fact. People who are listening to my podcast is. They're, they may not necessarily be like huge gearheads, but I know because of some of the videos that I put out there, that gear is at least part of their their thoughts and, you know, thinking that, oh, if I just get this camera, then so-and-so will happen. But Well, there's uh, truth to that I don't too, know. dude. Like I've invested a lot in gear over the years. I have a 100 to 400 millimeter lens on my Sony A7. That's so and dope. And it's, yeah. it, you know, what well, cost me an arm and a freaking leg and it sat on the shelf yeah. for months and months. And then we brought it down to Mexico and it was like, oh my God, this is so huge for surfing photography. Like mm. I, you can sit on the beach mm. and get close-ups of people out in the break. That's So crazy. you can't do that with an iPhone, right? You can't, you can't get Very super true. high quality audio. I think a, a nice shotgun microphone on a DSLR is just going to blow, but blow out of the water, the, the like other types, like a phone audio, yep. but the new iPhone right, is pretty right. good, man. If you don't have too much background noise, there's, there's always two sides to the coin, right? Like just, I think a minimalist approach is the way to go because most of the time carrying the extra gear, especially in like outdoor filmmaking is not worth it. Like if you're yeah. carrying your stuff, I made an entire film last year in the last two ski seasons, carrying a heavy camera. Every time I wanted to use it, I had mm, to take my backpack out, tough. take my gloves yeah. off, shoot one shot. Maybe I fuck it up. We go again. It took me yeah. so many hours of cold hands. It was insane. Then this year, I'm just shooting a little video here and there on my phone, and I might be able to tell the same quality story. Right, right. No, that's very true, and it's kind of like this unfortunate thing because you almost have to get the gear to realize that you don't necessarily need it <laughs> because if you don't have the gear, 
odds are they're not you're not going to get paid like it's just yeah. a fact like if you show up to a shoot with your iphone it might do no. just as good as a job that. but that person's not going to take take totally, you seriously totally. you know so it's kind of it's it's a double-edged sword and it's kind of an unfortunate thing for professional work I don't know. you need professional gear but for your own creative yeah. stuff i think and like you said earlier in the conversation i think is wise businesses are realizing they don't need those big productions if they have a, yeah. a quiet room they can put a video up and their CEO can tell a story that's more impactful than a $5,000, $10,000 project. Yeah, man, there's, I'm telling you, man, there's, uh, I think the market is, well, it's already changed, but I think there it's seriously changing to the point where there's going to be a lot of people who are able to, uh, I don't know, just exploit it a little bit, not in a negative mm-hmm. sense, but just there's so many companies, like I, I work with a decent amount of people and, and they're not able to afford high-end production. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company that I work for, we have like a $14,000 camera, which is awesome. It looks great. Like you'll probably see a lot of people or a lot of, a lot of, uh, commercials like on the Super Bowl this year being filmed by that or very similar to it. But the reality is the, the average company, business, whoever individual, they cannot afford that level of production. And there is really that, that whole theory of like, uh, diminishing returns, right? After a certain point, like Dude. how much better is the quality going to get? On so. my notepad right here, marginal utility curve. It's the same concept. It's the there same concept. Yeah, it's yeah. like the, the, the curve goes, like at the beginning, you get a lot of value out of a little bit of investment. And right. then at a certain point, that curve starts to flatten. And now you're getting less return on, like your, your marginal utility is going down over time, diminishing returns. Yeah. No, it's very true, man. Very, very true. And because like for me, I am a gearhead, 100%, dude. Like, I just, I love gear. I love talking about it. I love when I get a piece of gear to figure Me everything too. out about totally. it. Don't, yeah, if you, right? if I've come across as anti-gear. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So, preaching to the choir here, but it's like, I always kind of trick myself into thinking that like the next thing I like, basically the next one is going to be the best one, which I don't know, maybe there's truth to that in some Dude, ways, but, uh, coming out, like the A1 oh my gosh, bro. I know I'm like, so I've already, I mean, as I say all this, I'm 100% at some point going to be buying a new camera here probably within the next year or so, just whenever, whenever the funds come in. But, um, I've been using the Sony a7 III for the last like two and a half years now, basically ever since it came out. And it's still a great camera. And I just kind of made a video about this uh, a couple weeks ago where I remember when it came out, people were talking about this might be the best camera that's ever been like a consumer friendly at a consumer friendly Mm -hmm. price, which I mean, two grand is still expensive, but still you get the point. Um, But now you know, two year, two and a half years later, I'm like, gosh, I need a new camera. Like this is not doing the job for me anymore. But when I really sit back and think about it, I'm like, okay, I know again, where all these videos are eventually going to be, be hosted on, uh, people just won't be able to tell a huge difference between my camera and the $14,000 camera that, you know, the company that I work for owns. Some people can definitely tell, but for the most part, you're just not going to be able to tell. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I kind of love, having a piece of gear that I've had for a super long time and really just like, I just know everything about, like I could film something literally with my eyes closed, you know, cause you're just so comfortable with it, I guess is kind of where I was going with all that. But thanks everybody for listening into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it. And once again, if you just haven't yet left a review, uh, that would just mean a lot to me. If you could go ahead and do that super quickly, it does help 
the podcast just kind of get out there to more listeners, which by the way, the support that everybody has shown on it so far has been really awesome and so much more than anything I thought was going to happen this quickly. So I super appreciate all of you guys, you know, listening, downloading and leaving the reviews. I've got some really great guests and interviews coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So if you're not subscribed, make sure to do that as well. That way you know exactly when we post.